welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. This is a special edition of of our um, Changing Academic Life podcast because it's a conversation with myself and Austin Rayner, who's a co-facilitator on our academic leadership development course that we run for Informatics Europe. And we just wanted to take advantage of the end of 2022 just to reflect back on the experiences of running the courses to date and uh, looking forward excitedly to what's coming up in 2023 uh, with everybody. So um, we should just briefly introduce ourselves, Austin, perhaps. Sure. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, thank you for having me and, and welcome yourself, Jerry, to this. Uh, thank you for podcast. having me, Austin. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So, hello. My name's uh, Austin Rayner. I'm a professor at Queen's University Belfast in Northern Ireland. Um, my main kind of research interest and teaching is around software engineering, and I'm leading a research theme here. Uh, and I've been at Queen's since 2019. So, a big chunk of it during uh, something called COVID that a few people may have heard of. Over mm. to you, Jerry. Um, so I'm Jerry Fitzpatrick, Geraldine Fitzpatrick from Technical University Veen, or TU Veen, as our English name of our university is. Um, I'm a professor in the Faculty of Informatics here, and I head up the Human Computer Interaction Group, uh, having worked here since 2009. And again, like lots of uh, mixed, varied backgrounds that lead to this point, but particularly passionate about how we can develop better academic cultures, I think. So, mm. yeah. And we will, I'm sure we'll touch upon lots of these issues as we continue chatting. Yes. And I think we're planning to have a fairly kind of relaxed kind of conversation. Yeah. Um, if I follow things correctly. Shall I start with a question or do you? Go. Go for it. Well, no, I was just, uh, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. I was wondering whether we might start with a little bit of the backstory as to kind of how we came to mm. um, be offering this leadership course through Informatics Europe. So would you like to start, Jerry, to kind of give some of the backstory? Well, it's a, it's an interesting story. And I, one of the things that I am particularly struck by in the changing academic life conversations I have with people in general is how often people talk about luck. Uh, which is which is an interesting concept in academia because there's some ways in which the combination of circumstances and and just being open to the possibilities of things that arise or or um you know just stepping forward and taking a chance and trying things out so uh this came about through the, you know, the usual sort of long story about uh one of your colleagues um Mari uh, Ferraria, yeah, Ferraria. Sorry, Mari, just mental block on your name. Uh, had invited me to be part of a values in software development uh, consortium initiative, and that put me in contact indirectly with Gregor Engels, who was also one of her collaborators on that project. And in 2019, um, Gregor had contacted me to see if I would do a keynote for a conference. 
And in the in the course of having a conversation about this over Zoom, it came up that I was doing currently studying for a Masters of Applied Psychology and uh, Coaching Psychology, uh, Applied Positive Psychology and Coaching Psychology, and he said, oh, would you be interested in running a workshop for us at the Informatics Europe Conference, ECSS, in, I think it was 2019, no, 18, no, 19, I can't remember, I think it was whenever. And uh, I said yes and then got off the call and went, what have I just done? I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, so it ended up actually being very timely because I was able to focus the rest of my studies in that master's course to particularly focus on academic leadership development. And we, I think we had an interesting workshop at the conference and they asked me back to do something again the next year that didn't work so well, which was a really good learning experience. That's sort of another story. But off the back of that, uh, Gregor and people from Informatics Europe were talking about what can we do more generally to develop you know, the, the leadership skills you know, of people, of informatics people in Europe. And also Informatics Europe wanting to really be seen as caring about and being part of these initiatives. So he asked me to think about, you know, could I think about developing some sort of course offering through Informatics Europe? And it is something I maybe could have done on my own, but it, it sort of didn't feel right. I felt like it would be much better with a partner. And uh, coincidentally, you know, by luck, uh, you and I met at a Dugstuhl seminar. Yes. When was that? Was that 19? That was 2019. That was June 2019. Yeah. Um, shall I Shall I continue yeah. for a bit? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And... Um... Yes, I mean talking about luck. So I, uh, I'd only really um, met Muddy um, a few months before, and in fact hadn't physically met her yet. We talked online, and uh, I expressed an interest in coming on the, you know, Dagstall, and she invited me. Obviously, she was one of the organisers, and so yes, we met for the first time, Jerry. You and I met at um, Dagstall, and I remember uh, sitting on the lawn. I think on one of the final days where various other people were larking about with football or something, and we started to have a chat about things. Um, and it was very interesting for me what you said earlier on in this chat about luck, um, that it was one of those or serendipity or however we want to phrase it, which is, well, you know, I didn't see this coming sort of thing. Mm. And, and we met and we got on well. And then then um, if I pass back to you, I think that led on to an email or some approach from you a little yeah. bit, you know, after that. Yep. Because I think that, um, yeah, and for people who aren't aware of Dagstuhl, it's a, Dagstuhl is actually a location in Germany uh, owned and run by the German Computer Science Society, but they're, they're really great at uh, calling for proposals from people to host three-day to five-day workshops where people come from all over the world, you know, about 30, 40 people to discuss and work on a particular topic. And it's, you know, they're great networking, research development opportunities. So our focus for the week had been on the values in computing you yeah. know, theme yeah. of the of the Dugstuhl. And it was only in that last day or so. And we just worked on a couple of sort of uh, working groups together you know, tangentially. But it was only in the last day. And I particularly also remember when we were standing waiting for the taxis or the transport yeah. to leave that 
it just felt like there was an alignment of values yep. and experiences and perspectives um, where I just thought something, I, I, you know, this is the person. Like it, it wasn't a, it wasn't an intellectual response. It was yep. very much a, um, a gut response of this is a person who'd be great to work with. So I, I think I just followed up with an email afterwards and said, I know this will be a bit strange, but do you want to have a chat with me about potentially co-facilitating this course? Yeah. And it went yes. from there. And it did go for there. And um, I don't know if I've ever said, but I do want to thank you very much, Jerry, for um, following up on that gut reaction. Um, I am enjoying very much working with you. And maybe we'll come back to that. So, and I agree with you on the alignment. Um, and when we also talked, we also felt that there was a good compliment in that I think you've had a much more sort of research orientated career within academia. And quite a lot of what I've done has maybe been more on, we might call it the service side or the the kind of uh, teaching side in a way and some of the service around that, as well as, um, well, I'm umming because I'm going to use the word more formal structures, but of course that can mean all sorts mm. of things, but obviously yeah. then kind of things like director of studies and associate dean and also head of department. So mm. I think one of the things as we reflected on, you know, are, are we going to do a, some kind of course together and what can we each bring, um, I think was an appreciation on both of our sides was that we were each bringing something that was complement each. I mean, it was good alignment, but then also yeah. a good kind of complement of what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah, because I certainly haven't been head of department or had any mm. of those sort of more formal senior roles yeah. other than sort of heads of research yeah. group. Um, and I also bring uh, experience working in leadership roles in, you know, like running an operating theatre in a hospital or an outpatient yeah. department or various different yeah. hospital departments or um, working in industry. And, mm. you know, so there's sort of there was that different complementary background yeah. and the I think the master's degree, which I reflect on because I know that there are other people who often do this sort of work without having the formalised degree, but I don't know whether it's my imposter or my love of learning, you know, because I love learning. I'm always curious about things. That made me want to do the master's degree to provide the evidence base. I do know that it gives me much more confidence to stand up and say you know, the things that we talk about or to facilitate the discussions and the thinking yep. that we try to encourage because of that evidence base. But, yeah, I think that's that was sort of a good compliment as well. Mm. Yeah. Just to pick and up on And that, it has so... worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the other thing that I think is curious is... We met, I remember you came over to Vienna for a day or two and we were in my office at the whiteboard planning out what, oh, and we were first looking at a residential course. That's what we went yeah. back to Informatics yeah. Europe and offered. And that was supposed to happen in June 2020. Well, of course, that didn't happen. But yeah. towards that, we had met in my office and yeah. mapped out sort of a whole yeah. structure on the whiteboard Yeah. Um, and proposed that and we had a, location a venue booked and everything yep. didn't we yeah yeah um yeah and i just um yeah i mean agree and, and, and as you're talking i uh, the memories are coming up in my head of us yes i came over to vienna for a couple of days and we um we spent some time yes in your office mapping out things and then the evening kind of uh, more of a sort of social side in a sense um 
what I wanted to do was backtrack a little bit to a couple of the other things you said, which was one, yes, one of the things that we try and emphasize is that our course is evidence-based, you know, that it's drawing on, like you say, the the work that you've done uh, in the Masters. And one of, again, sort of luck or coincidence, as it turns out, my wife is also doing the same, in fact, has completed the mm. same Masters degree program. So there's there's a kind of nice compliment there because I'm also able to draw on her experience, if you see what I mean, as it feeds into things like um, uh, coaching and uh, positive leadership, et cetera. And, and then the other books. thing that I also found uh, interesting was, you know, with your comments around working in other disciplines or if you like, uh, not necessarily in industry, but when you're talking about um, you're working in kind of healthcare, et cetera. Um, so I worked in industry for a few years before I went into academia. And the reason I'm raising that is I think for both of us, it helps us to better appreciate what it means to be academics and what academia is distinct from other other yeah. kind of industries and our sense that leadership in academia has its kind of uniqueness uh, and its peculiarities if I can describe it that way which is not necessarily found elsewhere which also means I think we feel that that's a really valuable thing that we can speak with experience from working within the within the discipline as opposed to maybe sort of external kind of uh, consultants as it were coming in and kind of mm trying to suggest to academics how they should be leading. Mm, based on general principles that apply yes. to business industry contexts more generally. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because I think that's one of the big jobs that we do is interpret, like riffing off or interpreting the evidence base with complemented with that understanding of yeah. the particularities of the academic context and what it means yeah. to lead in that yeah. context because i think i do think leadership is really quite different in many ways um and maybe we can talk about that a little bit as bit as well but you know the other thing that i'd want to talk about in the complementarity aspects as well because you also had you know i might bring some of that that masters program in and you're yeah. you've got the vicarious masters yeah. with with claire but <laughs> yes. you've also done your own development training work through a lot of the diversity initiatives anti-bullying initiatives and 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 that, that sort of those aspects in, a, indeed an important and, um, part of what you bring yes so i mean i've uh, i I pause each time I say it because the the title sounds a bit odd. But for mm-hmm. for two or three years, I I was a bullying and harassment advisor, and, and which doesn't, <laughs> I, I doesn't mean I advise people on how to bully and harass. <laughs> but but the intention was, I mean, an appreciation within academia over how difficult you know and and sort of prevalent bullying and harassment mm-hmm. is, and and what a challenge it is to try and address. And one of the universities I worked at in the past um, uh, developed this program of a, a sort of cohort of um, uh, advisors um and the intention was that as an advisor you you were um able to bring um sort of neutral independent advice to somebody whether they were the one that felt that they were being bullied or they were somebody who had been um i'm not quite sure what word to use because i don't really want to use the word accused but people were talking in terms of you being the bully and so the idea with the advisor role was that you could you could speak to either kind of person if you like be offering them some fairly objective advice hopefully over how they should be approaching this kind of issue so that that was one background and then also i mean like you jerry um i've done i've done some formal coaching development in the past as in i've, I've been on coaching courses and also been on curiously a couple of 
counseling courses and i say curiously because that might feel like it's quite a long way away from kind of informatics or computer science etc but the courses were talking a lot about group processes and and mm-hmm. uh, how groups work but also in terms of facilitation how valuable it is to have co-facilitators when you're working with a group and and i think it was that formal course for which i was assessed etc really helped me to appreciate because this is one of the things you and i jerry really emphasizes it's a co-facilitated um course and based on that experience and others is to really understand what the value is that co-facilitators bring mm. as opposed to just having one facilitator if you like mm. So, yes, I went off in a bit of a riff there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I know that I always feel like I learn a lot. And it's, I think it was a, a short learning in the beginning, and but not a hard learning because I am also quite comfortable doing things on my own. And mm. in doing that, I'm used to having that sort of control or just you know, yes. driving it. And that thing of, in the co-facilitating, it is the shared yep. decision making, the power, or, yep. and sometimes, you know, you as you might make suggestions that go in a different direction to what I would naturally do or what I would think, yep. you, know, I, you know, I would prefer to do, and yep. that's been really great because it's made me really think about well, what is really important? Like, I, yep. you know, I think that I can't think of specific examples, but I think. There may have been one or two times where I did really feel strongly about something and would argue, you know, like yes. sort of try to present the case. And then there are other times where, and and I think it's increasingly the the latter of saying, that's interest that how fascinating <laughs> as we yes. we pick up on the Zen lovely Zander phrase, um, yeah. how fascinating. Let's yeah. give it a go, you know, yeah. because it's never not worked out. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the value of the co-facilitation, yeah. both the opportunity to explore different perspectives, different ways of doing things, and and also just the lessons of, uh, you know, some of those specific details don't matter so much as the principles of what you're trying to do and how you show up as people yeah. and how you're present and available yeah. within that facilitation space. Yeah. Um, and that that. Yes, I mean I agree with you. I, 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 oh, it's so interesting, you know, that in in the 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 memories it kind of brings up because we, yes, we were learning how to work with each other, um, in a in a remote situation. I mean, we, we met once, physically met once, and then COVID comes along, and and for you know other reasons, you end up in Australia for a lot longer than either of us <laughs> had expected. So we had something like eighteen months of remote working and um as well as the time difference um and uh when i look back i think you know we we did a i'm gonna pat a i'm gonna pat us on our backs i I think we did a remarkably good job to be able to pull all that that together within Mm -hmm. within those kinds of constraints Mm -hmm. and uh, and again i don't know if you remember jerry but when you made it back to vienna um there was a, a really subtle psychological difference because although we were still remote working, that the fact that you were actually only an hour's time difference away, it there was there was a really it 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 made such a dramatic difference in in our ability to kind of communicate in things. Yeah. Um. So yes, we did go through a learning curve, and again, if you remember in 
So our plan was the residential in June 2020, and we were going to do a half-day workshop, I think it was sort of May time, as well as a, um, yes. a, a at a conference, which, of course, the conference was then pushed yes. online, and that didn't happen. Um, yeah, sorry. And, then, and, the, and the pivot to the online also meant that the work that we'd done in the two days when we yes. did meet had to be totally thrown Rework. out and revisited, yeah. although the some of the broad topic themes stayed the same. Yes, um, and but the way the way in which you do the activities, etc. Yeah. It's like right. Yeah. How do we do this in Zoom with yeah. Miro and you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Going back to something that you brought up before about understanding the peculiarities of the academic context and leadership, you know, how would you define leadership within this context? Yeah. And and I, I uh, because obviously we've talked about this before, and I'm, I'm aware you sort of have your own particular perspective, which of course I'd like to hear in a minute, uh, Jerry. The the definition I really is really working for me at the moment is is the one that Lucy Ryan has got in her book around uh, a leader is someone who takes responsibility for developing the potential in others. If I've quoted it correctly, and I I found that really interesting because it doesn't say anything about hierarchy or formality you know you can be a lecturer in front of a class and you're leading you can be a vice chancellor and you're leading you know you can be a phd supervisor with the first time you've met a phd student and you're leading um so i i it it relates to me because of its it's sort of getting to the core of something which isn't about formality or structure or anything like that the other thing I would qualify with it is around this comment on responsibility. And I've become much more aware of that in based on a conversation I've had um, within the last week with somebody I'm mentoring. It's not about you making yourself responsible for this person's kind of career development or, or whatever. There's a lot that's there's a lot that's actually implied within that word responsibility because you also have to be responsible to yourself mm-hmm. to make sure that you you don't um you don't make yourself too responsible if that makes that makes sense you are respecting the other person's right to go in whatever direction they want to go but you're yeah. there to kind of facilitate or help or support yeah. so yeah well I'll stop there and yeah. you have a particular take as well Jerry which I think complements or I think in in uh complement to that and and I think both of the what you've talked about and what the one I'm going to draw on say pretty much the same things. I don't see them as quite so different, but it, you know, we're uh, drawing on Brene Brown's definition of leadership. She talks about a leader is anyone at any level who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes mm. and has the courage to develop that potential. Mm. And I think that's the, and I, I wouldn't even say, um, has takes a responsibility for finding because I think that there's something about takes a responsibility for working with people to find together what their potential is or to help them find their potential. I think that's where that's where I think the real power comes from, and I I think that's also why I'm so passionate about this notion of where to, where inviting people to reflect on their own leadership stances and practices because of the ways in which their choices shape the the cultures and of our everyday workplaces 
in which people are able to find their potential yeah. and to develop yeah. and, and thrive. Yeah. And I I think that it is very different to we could probably contrast it with more of a management yeah. um thing. And and we know that this is a whole spectrum, isn't it? A, a, yeah. a continuum in a way. But there's sometimes there's a notion of leadership that is much more about the the management of processes so that's t- you know more about control yeah and structure and there are other versions of leadership often in in more sort of business industry settings that can be about the strategic vision and i have to bring my people along with me and I think in academia, it's not that leadership of the someone up the front and, you know, I've got to inspire you all to come with me, yep. but rather we're all in this together. And, in fact, you know, some of the models that have the leader behind people, you know, yep. having their back and supporting them. And yep. I, th- I think that, you know, when we're working with clever people and when notions like autonomy, you know, academic freedom and autonomy are so strong, um. And just our, our structures and processes, you know, within academia, where we do have some responsibility to shape mm. our own research agendas, for example. Mm. You know, yeah, leadership is much more about creating the spaces, the environments and spaces and, and supports, you know, in which people can just get on with it and do great work. Yes, and as you were talking, again, to go back a little bit to when you were talking about, you know, finding the potential in people, I do sense sometimes it it's kind of um unconcealing which but but where I'm going is giving people permission to um pursue something which which like in a sense they don't really need permission because this is academia you know if you want to do it then to a large degree you know go ahead but sometimes it's helping people to have the confidence when I'm talking mm. about permission mm-hmm. to realize that actually what they're thinking about is really something worth pursuing, you know, mm. um, or at least worth trying, etc. So, so I agree with you. It's not necessarily finding, but it can be sometimes about helping somebody to, um, to to understand it's okay, you know, yeah. or it's good to do something weren't yeah. sure about. Which might as well come back to the uh, comments you made earlier around about things like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, that actually, there's a much a lot more potential there than somebody may realise that they have. Mm. And that's also tied in with this notion of um in stepping up and having a go and trying out you know knowing that people have got your back in a way of supporting yeah. you um that it's okay that that's a learning journey yeah. and that some of the things that we embark on might not work out and that's okay and even and as leaders some of the things that we try out as leaders may yeah. not work or we may not be coming from the best place we may be yeah, you know, stressing about some of the pressures that we have on us yeah. that we wrongly project onto other people and create stresses for them rather than supports. And you know, I think that generosity to allow all of us to be human is really important in part of setting up that culture. And I also wonder whether that's one of the challenges with academia is is the nature of academia it can be quite hard to be fully human if you see what i mean mm. with the kind of metrics driven um and what can be a very competitive and even sometimes a very sort of viciously competitive kind of yes. um a kind of uh culture um which is i think one of the things that 
I'm pausing because I'm trying to think how to say it, but one of the things we're trying to encourage within our course is that kind of uh, willingness to um, open up and to appreciate the full self and to kind of welcome the full self. Mm. Um, and and that connects into things like, well, we don't like the, the, the phrase work-life balance because it's a sort of odd uh, contradiction, but, you know, an appreciation over well-being and the importance of having a, a kind of balanced uh, approach to what we're doing throughout our lives, you know, throughout our full, mm. our full kind of day or our full week. Mm. Um, there was something else you were going to oh, it also got me thinking about the emphasis we place on coaching, you know, um, and the role of the coach as not to be the expert. Because, again, mm. one of the things with academia is around, you know, we're experts. And so the way we share our expertise is to be telling people kind of what we know and what they should know. Whereas one of the really one of the things I find really rewarding within our course and so important is that kind of coaching mindset or that coaching perspective that we bring around and it connects back to the things like finding you know finding one's potential and developing it is appreciating the other person as being the one who is the expert of their own career or their their own life etc and how some of leadership is about how you support that rather than Mm. kind of directing yeah yeah and I think it's worth um, emphasizing that we're not saying that we all have to be trained coaches because that's not the case but rather we can pick up on more of the tools that yeah. are used in coaching and, and and think about how we can apply them. And you know, I noticed when you talked about when we tell people and say what they should do, you know, that language of yeah. should and that implication that there's one right model and we all should comply with it. And I think that the you know, one of the tools that we can bring from coaching or learn from a coaching sort of uh, area is how to ask the good questions, not yeah. tell, how, not yeah. how to be expert tellers, but how to be yeah. expert questioners that yeah. ask the good thinking questions that, you know, that do help people access their own wisdom and expertise yeah. and, and insights. Um, yeah. And I, uh, also underpinning this is I think what we do at the beginning of the course because we we have these strands in the courses both the online courses and the residential courses where the foundation is about knowing ourselves because if we don't know where we're coming from as as those full humans and what we bring uniquely to leadership because you and I you know are very different sorts of leaders because we're different people and not yeah. we're not better or worse we're just different mm-hmm. and so that enabling people to step into their own you know what's their good yeah. leadership that connects to what they care about what they're good at what their strengths are and so on is a really important foundation and that also hopefully gives insight uh, into ways in which we understand the people that we might be leading as yeah. well. Yeah. Yes, and we talk about leading ourselves to begin with over the first um, couple of sessions of the online mm. course as the basis of then moving into starting to think about how you lead others. Mm. Yes, and yeah. I'm repeating what you said now in that a deeper appreciation of ourselves helps us then to have a deeper appreciation of those that we are those that we are leading and 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 again my pause is because i'm thinking through you know one of the things that 
one of the really interesting things, Jerry, that you know you you, you kind of proposed, etc., was around the use of the uh, via or via character strengths and this kind of whole aspect around how we can uh, overuse them. And that, and for me, for example, that's helped me to become much more aware of certain dynamics with those that I work with. And and again, I won't mention names here, but for example, there's somebody who I'm so impressed with the passion and the energy that they have mm. and their enthusiasm for for the work that they do. I mean, it, it is genuinely impressive. And and in a way, I'm envious. You know, I wish I had that level of kind of um, sort of um, kind of passion whilst they also see situations where it's overused to the extent that they can't, that person can't necessarily see the passion and the energy that others have. Um, and so I just put that forward as it's, for me, it's, this is part of the leading ourselves and the leading others is a deeper appreciation of what strengths we have, but then also a deeper wisdom over when that strength is used or if you like, when's the right time to use it? Mm. You know, when do you use it more? When should you back off a little bit? so that you can then help to develop the potential in the other person. You can help to mm-hmm. grow their strength by maybe stepping back sometimes, or sometimes you need to lean in to kind of sort of direct them more, but in a, in a developmental sense so that they then have the confidence to kind of, um, you know, to take things on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a much more nuanced and complex yeah. um, space than just like, it's like painting a portrait and saying, that's me. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It's how we bring that me to every interaction that we have and every relationship that we have, and also the ways in which that changes over time. Yes, you know, as as people do, as as other people are also on that development path. I mean, in the way that we are also on our own development path. I mean, we're not ready. We're not done deals. yeah, and and yeah, so it's a much more complex and nuanced space. So, I think the other thing that I would hope that comes through as one of those sort of underlying themes is, uh, you know, there's the sense of the choices that we can make at any moment, and the being more reflective. You know, how do we become more reflective about when, you know, is this a good time? Ah, that interaction didn't work well because I probably overused my, I was probably, yeah. overused my passion or whatever it was. Yeah. And that, um, that, that sort of self insight and ongoing reflection, as, as we said, as part of that ongoing learning. Yeah. And I, I very much agree. And I, and I think this is, Obviously, you and I have talked about this many times, Jerry, that, you know, when we think of the online course, the way we've structured the online course is to give people that opportunity between each session, you know, because typically each session is about two weeks apart, you know, from the from the previous Mm. one. So there's an opportunity for people to maybe reflect on what we covered in the session. But also, in some senses, to put that in practice, you know, that there's something that's come out of the session or that's something that we're asking them to prepare for the next session where they can do some of that preparation actually within their work environment to encourage them to reflect on, well, what's happening in this moment or this interaction, et cetera. And in some senses that then contrasts with the residential, because of course being residential, it's a kind of more sort of fixed point in time where we're uh, encouraging people to step out of their kind of uh, day-to-day work environment and get some space and some distance from that so that they can then kind of reflect on, well, how have I been leading, you know, recently or over many years or whatever it is? 
um and and to be able to discuss that uh with others uh like-minded people um and maybe just to pick up on a couple of other things as i'm i'm sort of riffing is you know we we very much i mean I'm, i know you know this jerry but for the sake of the podcast we we very much welcome we really want a diversity not you know a diversity of gender and race etc and then also a diversity of experience because all of that encourages reflection and encourages an appreciation of difference and different ways of leading and different kinds of strengths and different kinds of energizers. Um, and again, I won't remember the name, but uh, sorry, I won't mention the name, but we, we've had more than one person who's who's come on the course having led for many years and saying, actually, the reason they're on the course is because they want to take this opportunity to reflect you know, even though they're very experienced, they realize they still have more to learn about the way that they're mm. the way that they're uh, leading. And that's certainly a comment that we get often as well, isn't it, Austin, that people are stepping into these roles. And even as a new postdoc with, you know, employing your first researcher to work with you on a project or something or your first PhD student, Many of us are not really taught about how to no. develop these no. skills, and no. there's some way in which we're supposed to have absorbed them by osmosis. And yeah. maybe some of us were lucky with good role models, but from yeah. those stories that we hear, that's often not so much the yeah. case. And yeah. some people do better flying by the seat of their pants. And if we have the research evidence there that points to some practices that could make a difference as a starting point, I think we're crazy not to really explore them and take yeah. advantage of them. And you're you're right that the, the online and the residential provide different ways of shining light on, yeah. on what we do. So that I think that as you, just to again rephrase what you said, that the online, because we can step through and slowly build up the topics and bring them together, with because we get what we do is we give people access to materials in between each topic, uh, in between each Zoom session that we have. And those materials usually include sort of a set of slides and some video audio that that expounds on that a little bit. Yep. Sometimes it includes some of our own anecdotes about applying them just to, yep. to ground them. Um, and we also provide access to probably too many uh, links <laughs> yes. and papers and podcasts and resources, but with the idea that, you know, not that people would look through all of them in the two weeks, yeah. but that they become a back pocket resource that they can yeah. go back to and dip in yeah. and out of as things become salient for them. And that focus is actually quite of a narrow focus. If you can think of a little spotlight, you know, uh, yeah. or hand torch, it's a little hand torch that that really focuses on a small topic for that week. And then there's a worksheet that actually provides some more structured thinking. And some of it's just thinking, pay attention yeah. to how, you know, how your interactions go. Yeah. Um, and then when we come to the sessions, we workshop that topic and share yeah. experiences and yeah. can answer questions that we we don't do any sort of blah, blah, or, you know, it's not a presentational style. No. No. And then for the residential, we don't use any slides or, no. um, you know, it's, it's, we have a, I, I guess it's almost like a bigger spotlight in a stadium or something like this. Yeah. So it's still a spotlight, but it's a 
different sort of spotlight, as you said, sort of reflecting back at a bigger level of yep. granularity or experience. Yep. And yep. um and it's different because hmm, but there's something about the stepping out, isn't there? Yeah. For the residential as well. So there there you know, in the way that you talked about strengths having the shadow side or the you yep. know the the underuse, overuse, whatever yep. side, the same with the courses, you know, the the online provides that time to really reflect in between and to yeah. focus on a particular topic and build it up. Yeah. Um, and maybe the downside is it's a little bit harder to build relationships within the cohort, mm-hmm. even though people are doing breakout groups and talking a lot together versus the residential where people can, you know, can hang out a lot more over meals yeah. and continue conversations afterwards. Yes. Um, yes, there are some real contrasts, and we we work within the opportunities and constraints that each each mm. provide. Because you know, like the online course, uh, it's really valuable for people who will find it for all sorts of different reasons to you know get away for three or four days, etc. Um, and we also, but well, and for both online and residential, we very much want it to be a sort of discussive you know discussion based interaction activity based as you say there's very little that's lecture based or kind of information kind of dump onto people it's it's very much like let's collectively engage with this mm. um, but i also agree with you with the with the residential one the nature of the interaction is it it does create opportunities that you can be somewhat more responsive and a bit and a bit more ad hoc because you can be more flexible with time mm. because you're all there co-located for three or four mm. days. And again, I, I mean, you know, there's that example, was it sort of day two when we were all sitting in a group waiting for, you know, one or two final people to join us and somebody asked a fascinating question and it triggered a whole hour's conversation and, and it was so valuable and informative and relevant to mm. the course. Yeah. Um, and it would have been hard to do that on the online one because of the kind of time constraints that we had. But it's also valuable online because because it does give people an opportunity to meet regularly, you know, remotely, etc. So, so yes, there's strengths to both. Mm. And it does depend upon what you think you would personally prefer. Um, yes. What would give you the opportunity, the best opportunity to? to give yourself the gift mm. of this time to stop, reflect, learn, grow, um, yeah. become more of who you can be as a leader in, in this context. And I know that we know that for many people with different family responsibilities, being online is better because yeah. of that they don't have to travel and yeah. many people with different family responsibilities residential is better because they don't have to you know someone else is just attending to the family so even the same circumstances people make have different preferences and choices um yeah yeah and i think what we should also just emphasize is even though we say with the residential we don't have lecture style we do have a structure and because we know the background and we know the material and we know the science we're able to also shape, yep. respond to some of the things that come up and shape the discussions and provi- and bring in the input as useful, yep. you know, to sort of say, well, can we share with you what 
what uh, yes. some of the suggestions are around that particular yeah. topic from the literature or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I very much agree that that, and of course I would. You know, we, we co-facilitate the course. I mean, in that in that both both of the core types of courses are are structured. You know, with you know that there is definite intent over where we want the course to go over the, the duration of the course. Um, and 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 yes, it allows us to be kind of responsive mm-hmm. and reactive. Uh, to different circumstances, my I mean, because there was something else I was going to say, and I've gone on, I've, I've kind of gone and uh, lost it now over the uh, the residential versus the online. So yeah. I think I, while you're thinking about that, I would yeah. just reconnect to what we were saying about the broad topic areas of the course, mm. which or the rhythms of the courses, which is you know the foundation is knowing ourselves, yeah, and and also leading ourselves and that's you know how we manage our own time and priorities um, and using those lenses for how we understand others and help them grow and develop so there's that sort of strand you also mentioned the coaching mindset stuff that we talk about so that's very much about how do we have these constructive developmental supportive conversations with people to help them develop their potential and solve their problems and issues. And saying that as well, we should just also, it doesn't mean you can't ever give advice or to tell. Again, it's that thing of being reflective about when is it appropriate, you know, within the context of the discussion. The other thing that we also do is, um, you know, about some of the very small everyday practices that can have a big impact on creating collegial cultures. So we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, like building collegial um, collaborative cultures and the the thing that uh, we find everyone <laughs> has a need to discuss is how do you have those more challenging conversations yeah. when things aren't going well? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And been some very... Um, I was going to say both sort of difficult, but also immensely um, impressed. Impressive isn't quite the word, but, you you know, to hear what people have done in having difficult challenge, you know, conversations that they've had difficult situations and to hear how they've handled those uh, and both how difficult it has been, but but also um, the way in which they've been able to address it has been very kind of kind of rewarding or reassuring, if you like, to to kind of hear people are engaging with this leadership uh, stuff in a kind of genuine, constructive um, uh, way. Um, I was also thinking about when you were talking about the sort of, well, you didn't use the word hacks, but the kind of little things about the importance we place on coming to the session in the right kind of mindset, you know, and the sort of uh, centering kind of activities that we do online at the beginning of each session. But also we do that in the residential one, you know, that we recognise that some of these uh, some of these things uh, are directly reused. And also, I think what was so interesting was it for us, it was an unusual situation that the course was originally online and we had the challenge of then bringing it face to face. Whereas often people have the challenge the other way around, which is they've been delivering a face to face course. And how do we push it online sort of thing? So, uh, yes, some very interesting experiences. And our residential, as it ran, uh, ended up being different to the first version of the residential that we, yes, it did. we yes. were planning based on the experiences of doing the online. Yeah, that's a re- yes, it's a really yeah. good point. Yes, it was yeah. very different. Yeah. yeah. So we um, hope that that's given some 
just insights into the background of the courses and and the content of the courses and the approach. And we do recognize this as part of all of our ongoing learning journeys. As I said at the beginning, as we said at the beginning, I continue to learn so much from all the discussions that we have in every cohort and from everyone else's experiences. So taking this sort of course is only one step in that learning path and hopefully it's sort of a good grounding. So are there any wrapping up reflections you would have around being a leader? Oh, in a way there's so much to say, but I mean... Uh, for, for me, I mean, as you you've you found it, I, uh, you, as you said, I I I found personally, I find it such a rewarding course to be involved. How much I learn from everybody that participates, which again, I think is back to the reflection. Um, and I would hope how beneficial, and certainly that's the feedback we get, how beneficial the course is to help people in their in their kind of development and their continued sort of journey on kind of leadership in academia. Yeah. So we invite you to be part of um, new emerging established leaders in academia who are collectively trying to change academic cultures for the better through positive, constructive leadership practices and bringing out the best in people at a time when it's very challenging generally mm-hmm. for people to, yes. to not just survive but to thrive within this context. Yep. So we'll put the links to this on the webpage and um, you can also just go to Informatics Europe uh, homepage and navigate down to the courses there yep. if you were just looking, listening to this and wanting to navigate immediately. And we look forward to people joining us for yes. autumn, no, no, spring in uh, 23 and the residential in June 23. Indeed. Yes. Great. Great. Thanks, Austin. And thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. You can find the summary notes, a transcript, and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter. And I'm really hoping that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently. And you can contribute to this by rating the podcast and also giving feedback. And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues. Together, we can make change happen.